Welcome to Cannabis Business Minds, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. You can find more free content to help your business online at Calagia.com. Cannabis sales were $5.7 billion in 2015. Cannabis industry is valued at $22.8 billion by 2020. In 1996, there wasn't a single dispensary in the U.S. In 2016, there are 25 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Welcome to the Cannabis Business Minds podcast, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. Hi, and welcome to our second episode. I'm super pumped about today. Uh, We're going to be talking about five steps to get started in the cannabis industry. This is geared towards people that, you know, maybe you're just like making that jump in and really preparing you for certain things that I've noticed through my journey in this industry, as well as some of my clients of what really you should be doing uh, just to get you successful. And even if you're in the industry, this is something that, you know, hopefully you're doing this, or maybe you have some ideas that now you can add into your, your normal routine. So what we'll be covering in this episode. So I mentioned there's five steps. So we're going to talk about number one, understanding the law. Number two, determining your niche. Number three, understanding the business. Number four, knowing cannabis like it's the back of your hand. This one's huge. And number five, network, network, network. But before we get started with all that, I just thought it would be interesting for me to tell all of you guys what my story was. I I think I gave a little bit of background in the first episode, but Yeah, I I was working in management consulting. I started my career uh, in Portland, Oregon in external audit with PwC. I was doing that for a few years and moved down to Los Angeles and did some internal operations with Fox Studios, so entertainment, nothing cannabis related, and then got recruited to do some management consulting in France and spent some time there. And then I moved back in 2014 to Los Angeles, and that's when everything kind of just started picking up in the cannabis industry. And I've always been a cannabis aficionado, an enthusiast, but more on the back end, you know, not really ever thinking, oh, I'm going to be a grower, an edible manufacturer or anything like that. Just love the culture. And um, and really, I was in 2014 and I was sitting in my apartment in Venice and I started reading, I think it was like a five page fold. And I started reading about all these entrepreneurs. And at that moment in my life, I was, you know, just starting consulting on my own. And I was like, man, I really want to get involved. And from there, I I actually started doing these five steps that really helped me get to the place where I am uh, currently in the industry. Um, so I'll try to give the examples of of really these steps and how it applied to my life as well. But uh, let's get started. <laughs> let's get started with the show. The first step really of really getting in, into the cannabis industry is understanding the law. I mean, we hear in the news all the time, oh, there's 25 states. Actually, there's 27 states, including D.C., that have legalized medical marijuana. Uh, and that's a July 2016. So it's kind of confusing, right? So we know that, you know, there are certain states that have legalized for medical purposes. There are certain states that have restrictions that are called CBD only laws. So very, very strict medical conditions that would qualify uh, for patients. And then there's these states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, that have actually legalized for the adult use. One of the main things that I think is so, I guess, not convoluted, but how does it work is 
federally, it's still illegal, right? So federally, it's a Schedule One substance under the CSA Act, um, the Controlled Substance Act, and the DEA regulates this, right? So I think the, the number one step that you have to realize when you are getting into the industry is that it's still federally illegal. And that means that for so many things, I mean, A, you need to make an impact and you need to get involved to help end prohibition. But you also have to understand that what you are doing, even though it's it's very unlikely that anything's happened because of the movement that's been created, it's still in violation of federal law. And one of the things that I've heard in some of my, in some of my groups is, oh, you know what, but it's legal in California and it's legal in Oregon. Can I, can I ship it? Can I do anything? No, absolutely not. So what's fascinating about the United States is that normally, you know, federal law sets the precedent. State law will, you know, go of above and beyond the federal law. And then cities and localities can then go further and determine specific laws and legislation that have been on top of the state law. So that's what we actually see a lot in cannabis. So let me just walk you through one example. So we know federally illegal, right? So California was the first state to to pass a medical marijuana program in 1996. Um, let's use maybe let's use Colorado as an example because they were the first state really to do medical adult use and they're the pioneer as I look at it right now in just understanding how all of the regulation works. So it's federally illegal. Uh, Colorado in uh, I should have asked Jenny this, but Colorado um, in the early 2000s passed a medical a medical marijuana bill, right? That the that the voters passed and basically started to allow medical marijuana. Um, so that was the state that determined, okay, this law is passed. This is happening uh, later on with the adult use. I think Jenny mentioned it was like 2012. The MED started regulating the cannabis uh, for the medical purposes. So that means providing licenses, uh, just ensuring that everything was to the law that was passed in the regulatory requirements. But then in Colorado, there's all these different cities. There's all these different counties. And counties and cities can say, you know what? We do not want to allow marijuana facilities, operators, et cetera, on, um, in our city limits, right? So they can ban. So there's city and county bans that would disallow um, medical marijuana or adult use of marijuana um, from actually happening in that city. So it's very fascinating to look at that. And right now in Los Angeles, that's why I'm part of the LA Cannabis Task Force, is that that's exactly what's happening in California right now. So in 1996, California regulated, California passed medical marijuana. 2015, Jerry Brown signed into effect three bills that would regulate medical marijuana, right? And so that until 2018, California is in this in this period of localities, for example, like Humboldt County, you know, the Oakland area are already giving out licenses to operate um to to cannabis operators. LA, on the other hand, has still not determined what the licensing requirements would even be. So the number one step, understanding the law, it's huge because, I mean, if you're thinking about getting into business here, knowing exactly what you can and cannot do 
is huge. So if you bought a piece of property foreseeing that California is going to be this huge green rush, um, and then later on you find out that the locality, you know, banned that area from cannabis grow, for example, then you had just bought a piece of property that really is no longer uh, a viable solution for your business. And you know what? We saw that a lot happening in Oregon. So definitely understanding the law is huge. Another important thing uh, before we go to step two is um, really understanding the whole federal illegality, right? And and what does that really mean? Um, that could be really a whole nother podcast, but I want to just mention one very important thing, and that's called the Cole Memo. And I'll put that into the show notes, but the Cole Memo is essentially, a, it was a memo written in uh, 2013 by the Department of Justice. And there are a few different aspects of the memo that basically say, you know what, if you are operating cannabis uh, under a state, you know, and you're compliant with the state, there are certain things that you definitely need to ensure that you are doing. So when I work with my clients, I make sure that they're aware of the Cole memo, which is huge, and that and these requirements. So I'm just going to read the requirements for you guys right now. So number one is preventing the distribution of marijuana to minors. I think that's always going to be the case. Uh, no matter when it's, you know, federally legal, it's going to be a huge, huge thing. Number two is preventing revenue from the sale of marijuana from going to criminal enterprises, gangs, and cartels, so the illicit market. Uh, and then number three is preventing the diversion of marijuana from states where it is legal under state law in some forms to other states. So that's what I was just mentioning. You know, it's, it's legal in Oregon. It's legal in Washington. The moment that you cross state lines, you're in violation of the Cole Memo. Number four is preventing state-authorized marijuana activity from being used as a cover or pretext for the trafficking of other illegal drugs or other illegal activities. So if you're in cannabis and you're complying with cannabis, stay that way. You won't, you won't worry about any violation of the Cole Memo. The next one, it's preventing violence and the use of firearms in the cultivation and distribution of marijuana. This one's very interesting. I think for a future podcast, we'll get somebody on for security um, that can explain this aspect a little bit more. Uh, the next one is preventing drugging, driving, and exasperation of other adverse public health consequences associated with the marijuana use. So it's interesting about the California, some of the California bills that pass is like, how do you determine, um, you know, for alcohol, it's easy. Uh, there's a breathalyzer that monitors your your blood intake with alcohol. So it's easy to determine if you get a DUI. You know, how do you ensure that you are not, um, that you're not driving under the influence of cannabis? So that's something that I'm very excited to see in the future, how that works. The next one is preventing the growing of marijuana on public lands and the attendant public safety and environmental dangers posed by marijuana production on public lands. And then the last one is preventing marijuana possession or use on federal property. So uh, those ones are pretty big. We were at the NCIA lobby days in D.C. lobbying in April uh, for the 280E reform, which I'll talk a little bit about in this episode, and just banking reform. And it was just fascinating, you know, all these cannabis people on federal property, but ensuring that you're in compliance with this, you know, with the Cole Memo, that cannot happen. So that's, I mean, that really is step number one of getting into the cannabis industry is understanding the law. And it's huge. Each state's different. Um, and and then the federal requirements are always changing. So that's step number one. Step number two is determining your niche. And this to me is the coolest part. Like I mentioned before, 
I don't grow. I don't make edibles. I give people, you know, strategic advice on how to run their business. It's something that I was trained to do. I went to school for, and I've excelled in. Um, so my niche really, and, and my mentor told me this, he's like, you need to figure out something that you can do that will help cannabis, you know, cannabis in the sense of the cannabis industry and cannabis business. Right. So a lot of times even if you're in marketing or if you're in like, let's just say customer service, there's definitely a job for you in the cannabis industry. So it's really determining your niche. Um, how we look at it on Calagia, we look at it as almost like, are you in cannabis? Are you, or are you providing an ancillary service or are you doing both? Right. And so for me to divide that, it's very important because from the legality aspect of actually doing business and from investing in cannabis, you know, if you're an investor, et cetera, um, those two are very separate. So if you are in cannabis, you are my cannabis producer, your cannabis processor, so extractions, edibles, etc., um, making dabs, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that's processing if and then manufacturing would be actually like infusing um, those you know, those types of things together. So like an infused product, et cetera, and then distribution. If you are actually, you know, taking possession of the cannabis and distributing it to somebody down the supply chain and then, um, a retailer. So, you know, the dispensary. So that really is cannabis to me because you're touching the product, you're touching the plant, you're touching the medicine. And because you're touching that you're in violation of, uh, you know, the controlled substance acts of the federal illegal. Ancillary, on the other hand, are any types of services. So security services, accounting services, legal services. I mean, you name it, there's almost anything for ancillary. And those are basically people or products, you know, um, so services or products that are supporting the cannabis industry. And when you look at the stats and, and even on Calogia, I mean, I think we're 50, 50 right now on our member base. I mean, it's half and half, um, the marijuana, the cannabis industry, it's diverse and profound, and there's so many options to get involved. Um, so it's not that you necessarily have to have that green thumb or you want to work in a dispensary. I mean, there's definitely so many options for you to explore on how you can help. Um, I would just say a piece of advice is do what you're good at um, and, and help businesses or help the industry in that way. Um, if you have some success at customer service, etc. I mean, you can look into so many facets of that. You could look into, you know, being part of a dispensary store manager, etc. You could be, um, you know, a customer service provider for a trimming company. I mean, it. The opportunities are to me. I mean, they're infinite. But I would say step two is like after you've understood the law and what your risk reward is. And if, you know, you can meet the barriers to entry of whatever you've decided, determine what your niche is and, and try to stick with it, right? I mean, from there, you can determine, okay, this is where I want to be involved in the cannabis industry. And then that would bring us to step number three, which is really understand the business. Like we said in our first episode, doing business in cannabis is tough. Um, so if you determine that you are kind of in the, in the supply chain, the cannabis side of things, doing business is much harder, um, but it's, it's very fun. I'm going to explain to you a few reasons why it's, it's hard doing business in this industry. There's a thing called 280E, 
I'll do a whole another podcast about that. But 280E essentially is, it's a punitive tax that the IRS has put into place um, since the 1980s. It really started, you know, we really started seeing stuff happen in the last decade or so. But essentially it says this. If you're trafficking a controlled substance, so cannabis is a controlled substance. It's as I mentioned, it's Schedule One currently. Um, you are in violation of 280. So now, what it means is you can't deduct anything beside but your cost of goods sold. Um, that's huge, right? I mean, if you can only deduct your cost of goods sold, it means you can't deduct, you know, marketing expenses. It means you can't deduct uh, payroll expenses rent, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's a very punitive tax. So you have to understand if you are doing business in cannabis, then you have are you're paying right now a punitive tax on your income. Um, in the show notes, I'll put a link uh, to some of the resources you can look for 280E. I'll let you download my 280E book for free. So that can help you, uh, help you with your cannabis business. The second one is banking and banking is a huge problem. So I'm sure you are all aware that cash, cash is king, but cash in this industry is unfortunately what's happening. And a lot of it's because of that point. Number one is understanding the law that cannabis, the banks are not yet, some of them have, some are taking cannabis clients, but they're not comfortable with, with taking on all of this, um, all of this money. Really understand that if you don't have a bank account or you could have, if you have a bank account, you could have the risk of getting that shut down. A lot of my clients have had their bank account shut down and that could really impede your operations. So just being aware that, yeah, there's 280E, you might have a banking issue. Even myself as an ancillary provider, I've had, um, I have, I've been, I guess, revoked from being able to process payments on my website. Um, I only provide services to help cannabis companies. So it's very interesting, you know, the different types of, of view banking and payment processing companies are having. And so just being aware of that, it's, it's very important to understand uh, going into this cannabis business that, yeah, you're going to have some banking and 280E issues. I think Jenny covered it pretty well, but compliance, again, it's, it's very huge. Just again, what I said, 30 to 40% of, I mean, really forecast that would be spent 30, 30 to 40% of your revenue probably is going to be spent on compliance. So just ensuring that, you know, you're, you're willing to take that up. One of the things that I've, I've been seeing in the news lately is just make sure that when you're doing business here, that you're really teaming up with the appropriate people and the appropriate set of advisors and doing some due diligence on that. Uh, there was a case recently, I think in the Oregonian about, I think the first kind of fraud case where just, I think there's some people that are looking to get in and, and make a lot of money and maybe take advantage of some, some business operators and owners. So just, you know, whenever you're teaming up with anybody, make sure that you do your due diligence on them. Um, this is an exciting, very exciting billion dollar industry right now, 5.7 billion last year. So, um, and like, I think 20 billion projected by 2020. So, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge industry and everyone wants to get involved. And, and because everyone wants to get involved, you need to make sure that, you know, who you're dealing with, you know, the people that you're dealing with are trustworthy. Step number four, no cannabis, like it's the back of your hand. Uh, if you, I mean, it doesn't matter what, 
what kind of job you're going to be doing in this industry. I mean, if you're a bud tender, you better know, you better know cannabis like the back of your hand because you're going to be telling a lot of patients and consumers um, about the benefits of it. But I don't even mean that. I mean really um, understanding the news, understanding the updates, understanding the newest products, the newest sets of innovation, understanding just, you know, what is happening on a daily basis in cannabis, right? So that's more from a news perspective. And there's some really great websites that I follow. Um, MJ Freeway has a great um newsletter that they actually give out on a daily basis to keep you to keep you abreast with the news uh mj biz daily also is great uh i read culture love them i mean there's a lot but also and this is what i did when i entered into the cannabis industry you know when i decided to make the move i got a mentor and then i spent about two and a half months really doing the research and really figuring out and understanding this industry and the complexities of this industry. I mean, like I mentioned before, I'm not a grower, but understanding how growing works, the different mediums of growing, no matter what you're doing, it's important. Similarly with extractions, right? Like how does that work? What what does extraction mean? What type of infused products are there? All of these things are, are key really to understanding the industry. It's a multifaceted supply chain. And if you can understand how those, you know, how those pieces of the puzzle connect, that's going to bring whatever business you do to the next level. And so I only say, look on Amazon, look on Google and, and look at some, or even go to the library and, and just check out some of the cannabis books. Um, you know, you're listening to this podcast. That's good too. But you know, you really knowledge is power. I say it all the time and that's really going to take you to the next level. Step number five, this is so important. And if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, it doesn't matter, but network, network, network. I think about it like this. You have the most amazing product, brand, idea, etc. If you're on your couch, if you're not talking to people, if you're not making the connections, nobody's going to know about that, right? But that, but that's just a product. But I almost think about it as you as an individual, if you don't go talk to somebody, if you don't go to a meeting, if you don't even just get out um, and, and try a meeting maybe once, uh, you know, once even a month, you don't know what you're missing. You know, step four, no cannabis like the back of your hand. If you go to some of these meetings, we had an excellent meeting. The LA Task Force had an excellent meeting. I think there was over like 250 people yesterday. We got to network. We got to learn about, you know, what's happening in LA, what's happening in California. And Beyond the knowledge that was shared, there were so many great connections that were made and not necessarily for business connections, but just informational connections, right? I mean, you are only as strong as your five closest connections and the people that you surround yourself with. So when you're at these networking events and they're good events, you're, you're with some great people that have maybe, you know, have a few steps above you or maybe a few steps below you and you can help them out. So Integrating yourself into the cannabis community in general, it's it's vital to your success in this industry. Um, I would say, you know, okay, network, 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 where do you go? On Calagia, we have networking meetings that we've just aggregated that are happening all around the world. Um, I would say come to some of our actual local meetups that we have, in-person meetups, but check meetup.com. 
just put in cannabis. You're going to see some results, definitely. Um, and and like-minded individuals like yourself are definitely going to be on there. And then beyond the network, network, network is like, okay, so you've gone, you've, you've made those connections, you took yourself to a meeting, but what do you do from there? And if you don't already have one, I would definitely say find a mentor. It's how finding a mentor is the number one success, I think. Well, I've told you all these number one successes, but it's on the top five of, of, of getting successful in any business. Um, my mentor, he is an IP attorney that's based in Portland, but works in San Francisco in this industry. And he took the time to explain to me during that two months of like really researching this industry uh, a few years ago, of, this is kind of what you need to do. Here's, here's some of the things that helped me let me try to help you. And our relationship as a mentor mentee have continued um, throughout that time. And we've been able to see each other grow and to see each other's successes. And I mean, it's, it's a meeting of the minds, really. I mean, it's somebody that can give you guidance, but also maybe it could be, you know, upward feedback to that. Um, so I would say after you've networked, finding a good cannabis mentor and building that relationship uh, to really leverage that knowledge and expertise, it's it's essential. Um, on Calagia, we definitely do have the tools. I mean, we've got our integrated search, which will allow you to really search for the people that you're looking for, um, where you can kind of connect and just open up that information like, hey, I'd love to learn from you or, hey, I can help you. These are the the five steps to really get started in the industry, right? And that's just an overview, a quick breeze of, okay, let's, you know, I want to get in. How can I get in? Um, so let me just recap it really quick and, uh, and then we can let you go. Um, yeah. So the first one is just understanding the law. Like I mentioned, it's complex federal state and locality. You got to know what's going on. Number two, determine your niche and kind of stick with it. So, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a green thumb or if you do stick with that, but making sure that you understand that you can help you can help and grow in the industry um, with just understanding and determining what your niche is. Number three, understanding the businesses and that understanding the business. And that really goes with understanding the law. I mean, you need to understand what doing business in the cannabis industry, like what it means and how it's going to affect you and how you can plan accordingly. Number four, no cannabis like it's the back of your hand. As I mentioned, check out some of those news resources like MJ Biz Daily, Ivory Culture, uh, MJ Freeway. Um, those are really good ones. Also go to the library, get some books on cannabis, uh, go on Amazon if you don't want to go to the library and subscribe to podcasts, right? So you really want to know cannabis as well as you can because this is an industry that you decided to become part of. So knowing more, it's only going to take you to the next level. And number five, network, network, network. Uh, get out there, get your name out there, meet people, find a mentor. And really from there, then you can start your business. So thank you guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, but I'm really excited for our next podcast. So the next one, I'm actually going to be speaking about the U.S. economy in Costa Rica at the Latin America um, Medical Conference. It's next week. I'm going to be on the radio in Costa Rica. I'm pretty excited about that, but I'm definitely going to get some stakeholders that are, um, a lot of a lot of the speakers are actually from the U.S., but I'm going to interview um, some of the the Latin America 
uh, leaders that, and, and just to give you guys some insight about what else is going on um, down south. Uh, I, I know that cannabis is an international market uh, and an international industry. And so next week, we'll definitely have some insight uh, and some coverage on that. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already, head on over to Calagia.com to connect with me and meet other business leaders in the cannabis community. Add the Cannabis Business Minds podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and check back frequently because we're going to be trying to put these podcasts out on a weekly basis. And if you really want to, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And our handle is at the Calagia. And Calagia, just in case you don't know, is spelled K-A-L-O-G-I-A. Thank you and have a great day.
cannabis sales were $5.7 billion in 2015. Cannabis industry is valued at $22.8 billion by 2020. In 1996, there wasn't a single dispensary in the U.S. In 2016, there are 25 states that have legalized medical marijuana. Welcome to the Cannabis Business Minds podcast, where you gain insight from business leaders in the cannabis industry to help take your business to the next level. 